What up, my people? This is a No Catch-Up Chicago special report. I know the Chicago Bears just reported to training camp. I know the Cubs and Sox are in the middle of the Crosstown Classic, but I cannot get the Chicago Bulls and the craziness of the NBA off my mind just yet. I wanted to bring on my boy, Max Weepking, works for Tandem Sports Entertainment, previously Dallas Mavericks player development, previously a walk-on at University of Arizona, and him having that tie to Arizona means he, he has a built-in opinion on Lori Markkinen and the Bulls drafting him. So I wanted to get him on the pod, talk about Lori Markkinen, the state of the NBA free agency, which he deals with on a daily basis working for Tandem Sports Entertainment. And I wanted to, to get his thoughts on Kyrie. Where is he going? What's a good fit? Check it out. Listen up. Maps Weep King of Tandem Sports Entertainment. All right, on the No Catch-Up Hotline, we got my boy, Max Weepking. What's up, baby? What's going on? Just to give a little background on Max, currently works for Tandem Sports Entertainment, the agency. Um, worked with the Mavericks on uh, player development and is a U of A, University of Arizona, walk-on Hall of Famer. No one does it better. Played, <laughs> for, uh, played for Sean Miller a few years back. And um, so that's kind of the tie-in, right? So... He is a U of A bear down cat, and he has very confident that Lori Markkinen can come in and make a difference. Give me your, give me the spiel on why, because people in Chicago are nervous. He's gonna, he's the, the whole roster's young. Chris Dunn, Denzel Valentine, Zipser, campaign. I don't even like to say his name, but he's on the roster. What makes you confident that Markkinen can come in and and make a difference right away? Right, right. Well, first, let me say I, I had to ask to be on the on the on the pod because I heard you and Nick going to, you know, DEFCON 5 <laughs> after the Bulls draft spazzing on Laurie. And I thought it was a bad trade for you guys. But I think Laurie was a bright spot in the deal. Uh, the way the NBA has kind of transitioned to a small ball, not necessarily small ball, but uh, players that can play multiple positions are of higher value than they've ever been. And you get a big who can, who's skilled enough to play the four five, even potentially some three. I don't think he can do that right away, but I think there's uh, opportunity for him to grow into that, but you're going to do this going to be able to come in be a knockdown shooter. And he can build off of that. The way he plays the game, it's, it revolves around his ability to shoot the ball but he's a dude that puts it on the floor. He's got one dribble pull-ups. He can get to the cup. He can score all three levels, and I don't know what more you could ask for from a seven-footer. There aren't many people on the planet that are scoring mid-range at the rim from three now, okay. I, I got with you. a relatively smooth game. I got you. Now, let me cut you off there. Like, do you you, you kind of went in on me and Nick earlier. Now, coming off of the Butler trade, I mean, we have a reason to be nervous, correct? The people of Chicago – I mean, is that not something that we should be nervous about? Is is Lori going to come in here and, and and make an impact to where we're going to kind of be like, oh, okay, like maybe we're all right here. Especially <laughs> after mean, passing up on Monk, especially after passing up on Dennis Smith Jr., because that boy is a flat-out ball player. I've been watching him all summer. That, yeah, Dennis is, Dennis is a beast. <laughs> De- Dennis is a monster. So that, that makes me even more uneasy about it, right? But I yeah, will no, say – go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll say I'll say Dennis. The, I think Dennis slipped. Not to get off of 
the nervousness that Chicago should be feeling. But right. Dennis slipped just because he, he had some issues at NC State last year that maybe some were out of his control. Some maybe had to do with the effort he was putting in and some of the decisions he made. And he tore his ACL in high school. So I think they're just – for that top – I mean, the top 10, this was a pretty – stacked draft from like one to 13 you got a pretty solid players all the way through to like donovan mitchell and just i think those question marks bumped him low farther down in this draft than it would have in another draft no i agree with that i mean it just it was just alarming to see him come out and play the way he did knowing we passed on him that's all i'm saying you know right. what I'm saying? so no no i got you but so, Chicago, yeah, no, but Laurie isn't going to come in here and win a championship for you guys. You guys, if you have championship expectations, then go to sleep and watch some, watch a different sport for a couple <laughs> years. No, okay, look, no, I, I, and I don't think that's going to be the case either, obviously, right? He, he hopefully becomes a piece, a, a collective piece when we get another couple of players or some people, some players develop into something where they can make an impact and, and take us on a run into the playoffs years down the road. So, I mean, he's young. He just made, he just made 20 years old. So, I mean, coming out of college, he's averaging 15 and a half rebounds, 50% shooting, 42% from three, seven rebounds, which two and a half were offensive, which we actually talked about previously, which was, um, that was a positive for me. I really right. was was happy to see to see that number where it was at two and a half offensive rebounds per game for a guy that doesn't seem as athletic. I mean, he's a big seven footer. You know what I mean? That's that's playing the wing, so he's not usually those usually people aren't crashing the glass and cleaning up crazy down there. So that was that was um, exciting for me. That was a plus, no doubt. Yeah, uh, no, but the, I think that what you guys see and what a lot of people saw in Laurie, or you see you know, in a big European white dude that he's a, he's a jump shooter. He's going to shoot threes and that's it. And he's going to get busted on defense. He's going to get pushed around. I mean, that's absolutely, I mean, that's a, that's exactly what we're thinking. Yeah. But I, Larry, I, <laughs> what, from what I've seen from this dude is he's all, he's all around Hooper. He understands the game. He's smart. Uh, he's not going to force up 15 shots. He's not taking crazy shots. He's going to play within the flow of the offense, and he's going to take smart shots. He's going to make smart plays, and you know he's just going to go out there and play the way he knows how to play, which I think is a smart all-around game that is going to help team win some games. But th- this Bulls team, I don't know how many games he's going to help them win. But <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying, and I agree exactly with what you're saying because I watched. I mean, I watched him in summer league closely. And he had a, his first game, he came out and hit like four of his five first shots, right? He came out, got a couple buckets, looked good. Trailed mm-hmm. off a little bit, then had a bad game, but then bounced back and had 20 points. He had a double-double. He was like four or five, or like four of nine from Trey or something like that. But from what I was looking at, I'm not really looking for numbers in the summer league. It's more working with your teammates. Do you understand how to play ball? Like, are you getting lost on the floor? And I didn't really see any of that. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. He was confident. Um... So yeah, like, and even in, even in his bad game when he was, I think he shot zero of ten from three in game two of the summer league. He was still putting yeah. up with confidence. He didn't seem discouraged. You know what I'm saying? Shooter shoot. So it was good to see him kind of just hold his own out there. You know what I mean? I think the one thing that's important for him to not fall into because I mean I'm looking at his numbers now. He he averaged fourteen a game, 
but he shot 24% from three, which I think is a good thing for Bulls fans. But the one thing that how that Hoiberg and guys need to push him away from is when his shot's not falling, because he's going to eventually, I think he's going to hover around the 35% mark for his rookie year, which is that, I mean, that's a really good number for a rookie big coming into the NBA. Fair enough. So if he shoots 35%, but I think he needs to learn to not fall in love with the three ball when he has an 0 for 10 game, because he's capable of scoring in other ways than just shooting the three. Well, that's, that's, so if he can, he can find other ways to get his shot off or to get looks or to create buckets for himself than shooting 10 threes. And like, there's no reason he should be 0 for 10. Well, that's a perfect segue into the next question. So what part of his game outside of shooting? So if, it, if, if he's coming up broke, like he did in that second game of the summer mm-hmm. league going 0 for 10, what do you see translating into the NPA? What's something that he can do that say maybe we haven't seen yet, and you've you've watched more Arizona ball than me. When his shot's not there, what is what does he do? Is is he is is he a zero after that, or how can he make an impact once he's not knocking down jump shots? He's not a zero, but I I, I mean his game revolves around him get being able to or be a threat to knock down the shot. Because I mean either way, even if he's going over ten, defenses are still going to respect him and run him off the line, and he's more than capable of putting the ball on the deck, taking one dribble, pull up, taking one, two dribbles, three dribbles, getting to the cup uh, and being able to knock down a mid range jumper. He's not a guy that looks to go all the way to the rim, but his game where he can easily get out, especially at seven feet, get a shot off from mid range off the dribble where someone that's closed out on him is already at a disadvantage. And he uses that extra height and length to get the shot off. I mean, that's that's something that you can't coach and you can't teach. He just he's going to be able to get that shot off whenever he wants, and it becomes an easier shot for him. Do, is he ever going to develop into going to the basket and trying to finish with some with some toughness? Now, I'm, I, I don't I don't need him flushing on people crazy, but is he going to get to the line? I know he led the Pac-12 last year and from the line, eighty four percent free throw shooter from the line. That's in front of Fultz. That's in front of Lonzo mm-hmm. Ball. Is he? Is there ever going to be a time where maybe down the road where he's going to get to the line six, seven, eight times a game? Maybe not uh, eight, but four, five, six times a game? Uh, maybe. Does he have that I in don't, him? I don't, I don't think so. He doesn't really play that kind of style. Uh, one thing I, I think he needs to look to do more is post up, play with his back to the basket. He didn't do it much at Arizona, but when he did, he looked good and he could he can finish with either hand. But it's something where he wasn't trying to do that as much. But, I mean, he's a pick-and-pop type guy. He'll pick and roll, and he's capable of finishing above the rim. But he's not a guy that when he's driving the ball, he's looking for contact. He's looking to, you know, step back, get a shot off. Get a shot off in space. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of a mindset mentality thing, I think, that isn't really something that will change in somebody. And I don't think that's a problem, but it's obviously helpful to get to the bucket when you're struggling shooting jumpers. And I think that he's not a guy that's going to ever be shooting six free throws a game. Right. Well, that's what that's what makes me nervous, man. So, like, he comes out, he misses jump shots, and then all of a sudden he's an absolute non-factor. I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case, though, because just having him on the floor creates so much space for everyone else. If you play him at the five. 
and I mean, let's say you're playing Cleveland and you got Tri- you're pulling Tristan away from the cup. Yeah, I mean, there's like no way. The Warriors if you, were even doing. if he's not going to miss, if he's getting wide open looks, he's not going 0 for 6 or whatever. So even that's the case, he, he's struggling. Tristan's got to respect him, come out of the paint. And now you've got zero bigs in there. And now the only issue with Chicago is they don't really have anyone else that <laughs> is right. a is an issue to get in there. But I mean, let's say, I mean, a D Wade having Laurie not being able to play with his back to the basket isn't as big of a deal because D Wade is a good post player. He's going to, yeah, he's going to create. So, I mean, he's a guy that that can be on the floor with D Wade and they complement each other very well, especially with, I mean, Robin Lopez is good, but uh, you can play a small ball lineup. Dude, Robin Lopez gets disrespect. I watched Robin Lopez all year just because I'm in Chicago and I'm a Bulls fan. He gets disrespected all day long. He put in a oh, shift. Oh, he works. He works, bro. Every game he put in a shift. No matter what was going on, he was either rebounding. He's got this goofy-ass little baby hook that he was hitting all year. <laughs> um, Yeah, man, shout-out Robin Lopez, man. He put in a shift for us every night. I got love for Robin Lopez and Fili- uh, Felicio. Both of those guys work hard all day long. So Felicio's I, your boy. <laughs> Felicio's my boy. So I got love for, for both of those cats just because they work and they put in a shift and they don't really care kind of what's going on around. They're just trying to hustle, play hardball. So. All right, couple more questions on marketing. Player comparison: Who do you see him becoming? What's the ceiling like for him? Who do you, in five or six years, who can we hope that he looks like? Right. Okay. So when I do these comparisons, I hate it when people compare the lefty to the lefty or the Duke player to the Duke player. Yeah. And I'm about to do it, but it's not because <laughs> it's like that. Because I think that's how he plays, but. When I watch him play, he reminds me of like he reminds me of a Porzingis. He's right. not seven three; he's a flat seven foot six eleven. But uh, he's there aren't many seven footers out there that can put the ball on the floor, kind of move smoothly around and got a quick first step. And it's all pretty much predicated off their ability to shoot the ball. Uh, they're both good offensive rebounders. They crash the glass hard. Uh, Porzingis has a little more length, so he finishes up there. I think Larry's more athletic, but he's not 7'3 with a 7'6 wingspan or whatever Kristaps has over there. Uh, the only major difference between those two is Kristaps is much better playing in the post and with his back to the basket. Yeah, no, I'm not mad at that comparison at all. I think if he can get anywhere close to, to what Porzingis is going to get to, in my opinion, then it, it, it's going to end up being a solid draft pick. The only thing that I think Chris Stapps has that Laurie doesn't have at all in this game is he's is Chris Stapps got a little rim protector in him. He likes to go up and try to try to smack people shit off the glass sometimes too. So yeah. if, if if Laurie could get that in his game a little bit too, where he he wants to play a little D, I think they could be very very similar players for years years down the road. So, he's better by I give Laurie a notch on being able to guard on the perimeter. Because there were times at Arizona last year where he was playing small forward and he was guarding six six slashers and he was keeping them in front, moving his feet, bodying them with the chest and not fouling. So I mean, he's he's a uh, I think he's a better perimeter defender, but there's no question that Kristaps protects the rim better than Lari does right now. Yeah, I can't be mad at that. I like that comparison. I hope he becomes anything close to my boy Kristaps because Kristaps can hoop. 
And shout out Chris Stapps. When uh, D was in New York, we met Chris Stapps in the Knicks locker room, and he was mad cool. He shook up with us. He talked to us for a little bit, and um, he showed us mad love. So shout out Porzingi. I fuck with Porzingis. So. And shout out to the New York fans for giving me love for thinking I was Porzingis' little brother. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, yeah. Some some little kid came up to me, thought I was Porzingis' brother with the family pass on. <laughs> hey, that's what I like. You, uh, you Porzingis? I'm like, nah, bro. It's not me, homie. <laughs> All right, yo, let's switch it over to the NBA free agency. So, as I mentioned before, Max works for Tandem Sports and Entertainment. It's a sports agency. He's working directly with some of the, the free agents out there. We're not going to get into details on those guys that he works with on a daily basis or anything like that. But I want to get your opinion on just the state of free agency right now. It seems like some of the money's just kind of dried up, and there's some guys still out there that are holding on for money that is not coming. Right. So, I mean, it's been – everyone thought after this they had the new TV deal or whatnot they agreed to last year – and all the money, thirty million, the cap jumped thirty million last summer, and dudes were just going to the bank, stealing money, man, crazy big time. contracts crazy. being given out to, you know, dudes that haven't even really proven themselves in the league. So this is, you know, a good free agency class again, and the cap went up another ten million, and all these guys are expecting their numbers to go up even higher because the cap's a little bit bigger. But the issue is all these teams spent all their money last year on some iffy dudes. Like, you're giving Biombo 70-whatever million dollars. Yeah, Crab, and now that's, you got, Crab got 70, no money to 74 spend plus from Portland. So, I mean, that's the, the thing that happened with that is the league wanted the players to easily, like, distribute this money over three years so that it wouldn't jump up 30 million at once and be like this crazy set the market at like a crazy high and the players didn't agree to that so the owners went along with it because at the end of the day it didn't hurt them really so these dudes are rudy gay opts out of 17 million dollars coming off a torn achilles expecting to cash out like he saw guys last summer and instead he signs for 17 million over two years so it's just these teams don't have money to spend that I think players were expecting them to have. And now you're running into a situation where there are probably about eight, nine teams right now that have cap space. And there are a lot of really good free agents out there that have no leverage. So restricted free agents are running into an issue this summer. Because they're, I mean, the only way you're really going to get a good deal or beat the market is to have multiple teams interested in you and leverage, you know, this team's giving me $25 million, you got to give me 28 This team's giving me 28 you got to give me 32 Right, right. you got to leverage you the team you, you're you build with. your bankroll. Right. And there, are no, there aren't enough teams with money to start throwing offers out at these guys because if they throw out an offer, there's they're almost afraid that a guy's going to accept it at this point. So you're looking at these teams that are treading carefully and now they're just waiting them out. Yeah. They're basically basically just waiting with a a restricted guy. There's no point for a team to offer a big number to a dude with the fear that they might not match. 
like what happened with Tim Hardaway. So, I mean, if you want to throw out, oh, he's restricted, I'll give him $40 million. Be like, well, you know, if this team doesn't match, we're stuck with this huge number over three years. And by the way, next year, there are absolute monsters on the market, and there's even less money coming up. Right, so you got to hold on to some of that cash if you're trying to. to I'm to... telling, bro. Next year is going to be a bloodbath. I was just looking at that. The ESPN had their rankings up for next summer. KCP is the 19th best free agent next summer, <laughs> and he he just got a one year deal. He's sweating right now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to he come out and have sweating. a huge year. Yeah. And the dudes ahead of him, he can't, like, if he plays well, he's not catching them. This LeBron, it's KD, Chris Paul, Paul George, Nikola Jokic. Like, hey, Jokic. <laughs> Jokic is a beast. Jokic is a monster, <laughs> low-key. If you're sleeping but, on Jokic, you better go watch some basketball highlight. Go go to YouTube <laughs> and type in Jokic, and uh, you'll see what's popping. Bro, but there's, like, I'm not... But yeah, I just to say like half of last half of the all stars from last year are going to be free agents this coming summer in 2018, and the cap goes up three million from what it is this year. Roughly, that's like a rough estimate. These teams got no money to spend. Like a team like LA is situating itself perfectly because they're going to be one of very few teams with money, and there's going to be a lot of guys either looking if they want to leave their situation they don't have many options yeah and some of the guys that we're referring to that are stuck on these restricted free agent lists uh that are, or that are still haven't signed yet chicago's own uh nikola miritich we got nerland's noel mason Plumley. um right before we hopped on i think javel mcgee is going to stay in golden state i didn't see the details on the deal but yeah it, it had to have been a minimum yeah so it looks like he's going to stay there but ian clark from golden state's still out there so, yeah, I mean, there's some people out there that, yeah, it looks like the teams are just going to wait them out and then they'll do what they have to do. They have, Someone's got to eat at some at some point. So just, yeah, they're just going to try to try to ice them until there's there's no more time left. Right. The ball is in the, the team's court this year as opposed to last summer, which was, you know, the complete opposite. And it's funny, man. Some of these cats got to be super sick. Tony Snell earlier in the summer, $44 million. Drew Holiday, $126 million. Kelly Olenek made $50 million off that playoff game. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's uh, like deals like that. When you look at like looking at Miami for giving out what they $110 million this year to James Johnson and Kelly Olenek, and you look at the free agents that are going to be available next summer, yeah, those are mistake. like some of the moves where you question like this is that was very – that was very that was thinking. Very, absolutely. That was very suspect all day. Anytime you write $50 million to Kelly Olenek, it's suspect regardless. <laughs> That's short-sighted bucket, regardless though. anyway. He's a bucket. He, but... he, got a, he got the worst chin hair of all time. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, he's he's a goofy-looking cat. But, yeah, I mean, he there were some flashes where he was solid. but Not hey man, $50 million Not solid. $50 million solid. I Absolutely not. So we'll see what happens there. And – on top of all this free agent nonsense with people waiting on restricted deals and then the the other boys that got their money earlier in the summer, then this whole Kyrie thing pops off. Now, my question to you talking about the Kyrie, Cavs, LeBron situation 
it looks like that's a done done deal that Kyrie's going to have to move, especially with D Rose signing and just the whole dark cloud over that whole situation. He's going to have to go somewhere. What do you think is a good fit for him? Man, uh, he's obviously going to want to go somewhere and be the number one option. Otherwise, he wouldn't want to be leaving LeBron and probably the second best team in the NBA. Wait, so, let, but let, let, let's back up a second. Before we even get to where he, he's going to go, where we think he could go, where we think would be a good fit, is he making a mistake? Does he not know how good he has it? That's what, I can't figure out what's going through his mind. Like, what is he thinking? Does he think that he just doesn't want to play with LeBron anymore? He got his ring and he's just going to go make a ton of money in New York or just forget about it and just focus on himself? Does what is he, What's going through his mind? Because from all things pointed to he was going to want to come back and give it another run and, and, and bump into Golden State again next year. Yeah, bro. This is the the classic case of you don't know how good you have it. Classic, bro. I agree with you, hundred <laughs> percent. This dude is uh, he he forgot what life was like in Cleveland when he was the rookie for the first two or three years, and those dudes had the number one pick for four straight years or however many years it was, and they weren't winning twenty games a year until LeBron came. So, I mean, he's a good player. He takes tough shots and he makes a lot of tough buckets and that's with having the best player on the planet on your team right and Kevin Love spacing the floor preach it so I mean he's good he's not a dude that's gonna you know beat you in a straight line drive he uses multiple dribbles and he shoots tough step backs and he makes tough shots which it's a really fun game to watch but if you put him in Phoenix He's. I, I don't think he's having <laughs> anywhere near the type of success he's going to have in Cleveland. And like I, we talked about it before, if he goes to the West, I don't think he's all star. It's going to be tough sledding. He's not to a, say I don't the least. Think he could get a bucket like Damian. Like Damian Lillard might jump ahead of him a little bit. Whoa! I don't, whoa! 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 I don't know about all that. But I understand what Bro, you're I'm saying. You. I mean, if he has to run the squad, a new squad like Phoenix, and then go out there and score 26, 27 a night, man, it's going to be tough, dude. But, yeah. to, to let, get, let me backtrack for one second. I'm not yeah. saying that Damian Lillard's better than him. Okay. But I'm saying if he goes to a, a, a team like Phoenix, I don't know, Detroit, someone like that, where he's literally the only option to get a bucket – I think that's the kind of the category of player that he falls into. Right. No. Is a guy that's going to score 25 a game, and I don't think his team's going to be as good as Portland, but the, he's going to be scoring 25 with you know his two, three assists, four assists, and I don't think that's an all-star in the West. How much of this stuff is real with LeBron, you think? does he Do they hate each other now? Is this like a, is this like a Westbrook-Durant thing where – he was kind of blindsided, LeBron, and he's like, man, fuck this guy now, dude. I'm going to try to bust his ass every time I see him. I don't know if I believe all that. I don't I don't believe – I bet LeBron's upset. I don't believe that LeBron would want to fuck him up if he's standing in front of him. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't really – I never believed that in the first place. I mean, maybe but, someone misconstrued what he said. Like, man, I'll beat his ass. Like, they were having a conversation. But, yeah, I don't think LeBron would fight Kyrie if he, they were in the same room. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't think LeBron's like that type of guy. But uh, I think it's – he's probably upset that Kyrie's leaving because I don't see a situation where 
right now they trade Kyrie and the Cavaliers get better. Yeah. I got so a situation we could talk about. A situation? Maybe that they that they, that Cleveland can get better. Now we were talking about Kyrie and where he'd be a good fit, and I've heard the Knicks. I like that squad for him just to because it seems like he wants to be that man. He wants to be Uncle Drew and do New New York. It sounds like a place where he wants to go off the court, on the court. He'll have free reign on the Knicks. He'd have free reign in New York to do different Nike commercials and Pepsi commercials and deals and do whatever he wants to do. So I think that's the best fit for him for what he wants to do. He wants to be the man. And if you're the man in New York, like he would be, you're a superstar, period, right? Yeah. Now, I can see Cleveland getting better. I don't know if Thibodeau would ever do this, but if you trade Kyrie from Cleveland to Minnesota, Wiggins has to be a part of that deal, right? I see. I don't think they do that. Minnesota wouldn't. But, but like, if you were straight up Minnesota, would you take Kyrie for Wiggins? Straight up? Yeah. Man. I don't know that I would. Why not? Wiggins is bringing out uh, Kyrie is a cone on defense. A cone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not stopping anybody. You're getting 10 against him. Easy. <laughs> no, that's true. But Wiggins is, I mean, how old is Wiggins? He's, can he even drink yet? Can, can Wiggins go to the club yet? <laughs> he's he 21? He just got there. He's probably like 22, he, 23 years old. Yeah. He's averaging like 21. He locks up. He doesn't play that hard yet either. He still he hasn't really learned how to you know play hard for a full game for multiple games. Yeah, and I mean, get yeah. those championship efforts. And I can guarantee but, you, Thibodeau's talked to him about that. Like that, yeah. it'll be interesting to see them in the second year there, especially because Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler are already having a relationship, and they're going to be on Wiggins' ass to 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 turn it up on that end for sure. Well, even having Butler there too makes it that he doesn't have to give the type of he doesn't have to give Jimmy Butler effort now. Right. He can he can give Andrew Wiggins effort and the team is going to get away with being just fine cuz they you, got Jimmy Butler out there playing with his hair on fire. And can you imagine but like if they can get him to play like Jimmy, boy. Yeah, they got problems. They got big everybody got big trouble. So That's going to be a squad over there. No doubt, man. I'm excited to watch. That's going to be a squad. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them play. I don't know if they're, you know how, uh, I don't know if they still, I don't know if they're going to do this this year, but there, there's always some promo with like the NBA, uh, NBA league pass where you get to pick like four teams or like, I think it's like a partial package where you get to pick a team that you want to watch. So obviously everyone picks like Golden State you know, Miami, right. whatever, like, so those, whatever team is the Clippers, like exciting teams to watch. And Minnesota will definitely be a team that I would love. To, I'd have no problem watching those dudes every night during the week. Right. Under the radar, something to watch for this year. It's going to be absolute dogfight. is that division that Minnesota Denver is going to be good with Millsap, Jokic. 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 And then you got the thunder with uh, Westbrook PG 13 that like the, those three Portland's still got McCollum and Lillard. Yeah, that's, that's going to be, be a dog fight. The whole West is about to be so crazy, dog. That man, it's oh, going to yeah. be yeah, it's going to be lit. It was funny. We were um we were trying to figure out who was going to be on the East All-Star team. 
We were like we were like going through names for like minutes at a time. Like ah, oh, J Wall, Beal, It, Gortat might sneak in there. Yeah, yeah. Like we were going through names like Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, Olynyk. We got White Sox. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, but in the West, you can just rattle off the whole whole roster. So if you got to see Kyrie go anywhere, where would you want him to go? Where'd I want him? Uh, all right, I'd say. I was looking through a little bit and I think cause the way that Cleveland's set up, you can't just like trade him into space because Cleveland's got to get back pretty much something equal the way the cap works. Cause they're so far over. So I think they got to be trading him to a team with assets that has a need. And so I think Denver, Phoenix, Detroit, New York are probably the four most realistic. And I think kind of an under the radar team that might sneak in there. And I mean, Cleveland doesn't owe anything to Kyrie to trade him to one of his four spots. That he wants to go, but Sacramento, mm. they signed a bunch of dudes. They got a uh, George Hill over there. Maybe they send him to Cleveland. They got a bunch of vets on one year deals. So, I mean, I think there's just uh those are the five that I think make sense for Cleveland because they're pretty they're, I mean, they're the ones that control the situation. They're not going to get suckered into send them to yeah. golden state for somebody, you know, right. something like that. But, uh, man, it'd be interesting. That, that kind of stuck out to me. And I think it would be interesting to see him. And, uh, I mean, none of those teams are really any good. Denver is the only one really with a chance to make the playoffs. And, I don't know if he's necessarily a good fit for that roster that they have, but it would be interesting that they don't have a guy that can get a bucket like that. I guess they got Millsap in for that, but they don't have a guard that can, you know, get a shot off whenever they, whenever he wants. So that, that could be an interesting play. I think Phoenix is interesting just because that probably makes Cleveland the best team on the other end. Right. I mean, that, Detroit. Now that we mentioned that that Kyrie for Wiggins straight up, that really man, that's an interesting, just flat out one for one. Would you do it? I don't know, yet? man. I I don't know, dude. I'm that's not. that's tough because <laughs> Wiggins is an animal already, and he's just gonna get better. But Kyrie's a dog too, so man, I don't know. You'd have to. I don't think Kyrie's lasting long with Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah, Thibodeau wouldn't like Kyrie too too much. I don't think. <laughs> Between bad shots, tough shots, and not playing any defense, yeah, that's. I mean, he's not a Thibodeau guy at all. So, but it's still it's still fun to talk about and fun to think about. That'd be that'd be yeah. an interesting proposal. So, I wonder why he put them on the list. Like he sat down, and he put on, he like he kind of put some random teams on. Yeah, he did. Like the Spurs, I get. Like, yeah, you know, they're they're always good. Popovich is a coach. Well, like, him and well, him, him and he's Butler. Not a Popovich player. Yeah, no, he's not. That's true. But him and Butler are boys. That's why Minnie's on the list. But it's like, who else he had? He had a uh, New York, which I that makes sense to me. Makes sense. And Melo, send Melo to Cleveland. I mean, that makes sense, dude. Yeah, I don't think Cleveland does it unless they get Porzingis, though. And they've said that Porzingis is untouchable. You don't think they do it without Porzingis and they get Melo, maybe a, another piece? Who's another piece? Yeah, that's true. Tilakina? 
That little French point guard Sick. they just drafted. Baker. What about Baker, Doc? <laughs> what? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Melo and a bunch of picks. I mean, Damn, I don't. They know. They don't want picks. They're trying to win a championship. LeBron, yeah, the for all they know, yeah, LeBron's picks. out of there next year. Yeah, man, dude, I was so gung ho on all nah, LeBron's never gonna leave, and I still think that way. I th- I still don't think he's gonna leave, but I was at like a hundred percent. He's not going anywhere. Now I'm I'm at like ninety. Ninety. <laughs> I'm at like ninety. He's staying, but I mean, my confidence level's gone down a little bit. Is Pop still rocking with LeBron if he bounces? I mean, of course. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, pops, dude, pops knows what's up. My pops, if yeah, dude, don't even give. Yeah, you already you've heard him talk about LeBron. <laughs> that dude and LeBron, man, he he loves he loves that guy. But smart man. Interesting, interesting stuff, man. Yo, I appreciate you hopping on, bro. This was some interesting chat chatter. And uh, the NBA is just wild right now, so it's always nice to get a little inside scoop from from you and you working on a day-to-day basis at Tandem over there. So thanks for hopping on, my dude. Yep, no doubt. Chicago, go buy your Larry Markin in jerseys. <laughs> Max Weep King, no catch up Chicago. Let's go. <laughs>